Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Last week, we kind of started our praying fasting series. Uh, We spoke uh, about how a change of position can position us for change. We spoke about how just getting in God's house in Psalm 84 just talks about how they would have went on pilgrimages three times a year, just changing your location, going somewhere else, doing something different. It helps you to posture yourself for, for change. And in the same way, some of you need to go, go to the gym to posture your body for change. In the same way, uh, some of you need to get in your devotional book to posture you, posture you for change. In the same way, some of you need to start praying for the first time ever regularly. It's a different position, but it will posture you for change. Uh, we then went on to learn about pass-through pits with God, become pass-through blessings. Uh, the scripture spoke about how we all go through times of failure, times of despair, times where our heart, hearts are broken. You're maybe there right now. But God actually uses those situations somehow, some way, to form us and bless us and give us favor for life ahead. Can anyone testify to that? Can I get an amen? And so, but what can happen if you just let the the pit of despair that you've went through, just lie there and you just react as a human being naturally, you end up bitter a lot of the time. You end up mad. You end up just, this isn't fair. And it becomes a curse. You've seen it in families where generational curses, if, if, one, uh, if the father in the family or, or someone in the family, the leader of the family is, has got a problem with drink, often that passes down because it's shown a pattern, a behavior to follow. And so it's a crazy thing, and it goes deep, and it's subconscious, and it can be hard to break, but with God, you can break it. And with God, you can renew your mind. With God, you can get to the subconscious levels of programming that is in you from what you've seen as a kid, as a youngster, and you can rewrite your story. Can you get an amen? And so that's why being in God's house, that's why being in God's presence is key, because he breaks... In Christian world, uh, sort of speak, people would call those things strongholds, things which have a strong grip on you, and they're hard to break, but they can be broken. And then we finish with, um, my worst day with God, doing things God's way, is still better than my best day in the world, or my best day with the devil, or my best day living with sin in my life. And so that's how good God is, and that's how good His ways are. They will always build you up. They will always set you up for a win in this life or the next. Right, so we're going to move on into the the message today, which I'm going to kind of piggyback off last week. And today's message is called The Crash of Compromise. Let's pray. God, I just pray and ask you to come through your word, your holy scriptures. I pray you use me to speak your word, to touch people's hearts. God, Holy Spirit, convict us, show us where we're maybe going wrong, encourage us where we're going right. Come, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. It says in Psalm 84, this is, we read this last week, it says, For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. In other words, I'd rather do things God's way, even just a bit, than to do it my way a whole lot. Because what often happens, always happens when we do things 
it's our way, we fall into sin, which is not God's standard, and it ends up costing us more than we want to pay. <laughs> it keeps us longer than we want to stay. It brings us further than we want to go. Has anyone experienced that before? I know I have. And it often ends up in a crash. I remember, none of you have done this before, but I remember uh, as I was, you know, phones got more modern and you got, got a touchscreen. <laughs> you went from your Nokia 3310 to a touchscreen. And all of a sudden, as you're driving and I have a little magnet on the car, you see the message appear. Or maybe you've got Bluetooth attached and you hear it. There's a message through on Facebook, Instagram, or just your normal message. And all of a sudden, you're kind of really tempted, like, ah, oh, what did that person respond, say? Or, or who liked me online? And, you know, it's just staring at you on the dash while you're trying to drive, and you're kind of confident you've been driving for a while. I think I could maybe pop that open, maybe just touch the screen a wee bit and get a wee sneak peek of what's, what's happening or how many likes. I'm up to 10 likes. Yes. <laughs> just got 11 likes. And then eventually, oh, I got away with that. I didn't crash. I'm going to do it again. The next journey, I'm not even thinking. I'm just kind of reacting. I'm, I'm just, bit, my mind's just thinking about work. I'm thinking about relationships, thinking about people in my life, thinking about what I've just posted. And all of a sudden, I start to tap the screen more often and more often and more often. And to be honest, shamefully, I've been that person. I still struggle at times with that temptation. And there was a time I was just cruising down the motorway, trying to do three things at once. I actually stayed in the inside lane at 60 mile an hour because I knew I was probably way off. I was not concentrating very much, had it on cruise control. And I was thinking about uh, work. Oh, it's so efficient, isn't it, to do two things at once? You know, I could drive down the M1 and do my work at the same time. That's incredible. Saves me loads of time. Makes sense to me. Until I hear, and I'm like, and I'm like, oh, flip! I've just swore, you know, I've hit the hit the center of the, the road a little bit, and the sirens are on. I'm like, no, I'm just thinking about insurance. My insurance is going to go 300 pound. And then I'm thinking about how can I, what sympathy story can I produce here? Um, I'm a guy. I've probably not much hope. This guy's going to come and just destroy me. A few of my friends have done it before, and you know, made a few stories up and got away with it. I'm thinking about all these man-made ideas to get off the hook. Pulled in, and he just came in straight in hard on me. He's like, you're on your phone, weren't you? I'm like, I want to lie. Oh, you're all judging me, yeah? You've never thought that or wanted to do that yourself? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, right. 250 pound fine, it went up. He gave me six points. There was, he didn't really, he confronted me. He confronted my issues. He confronted my temptation. He confronted my problem. You see, you cannot change what, what you do not confront. There's things in your life right now that you know are, they're happening, but you're not confronting yourself. You don't want to feel guilty or shame. So until you get around people, you'll never be confronted. And so it's a secret. That's why it's secret sin. It grows, shame grows where? Not in the light where people can see, in the dark. Your sin grows not in the light where people can see, it's in the dark. Why? Because we hate shame. We hate guilt. I hated it that day. He confronted me and he says, listen, 
I'm like, come on, man, come on. It's got your insurance of £300 as well as the £250 fine. Come on, mate. I'm broke. And he says, let me tell you a story. And this is serious. I'm just out of a court case where someone was on their phone and someone died. That was the end of that story for me. He confronted me. He changed my mind really quick when I seen the consequences of a crash because there's a consequence with sin. There's a consequence with compromise and it can sometimes be brutal. At that point, I had no argument. At that point, his confrontation had worked. At that point, I'm now telling you a story that I remember. See, when we confront our sin, you come to church, yes, we want to encourage you, but we also got to confront you. Why? To save you from crashing. To save you from the consequences of your sin. Not just on the earth, but eternally. And so, yes, the policeman, I didn't, I wasn't his best mate right there. I wasn't singing his praises coming away, but he maybe saved me from a few years in jail. He maybe saved me from the guilt of, of killing someone in the future. That's a good thing but it hurts. The crash of compromise. See, God's way is better. It doesn't always make sense in the short term. It doesn't always feel good. Anyone ever been corrected? You just want to throw. What do you want to do? Like when someone corrects you, you're just like, I want, I want to punch you right now, but it's not right. I know it's not right, but my feelings are telling me to punch you and to throw my coffee over your face. I remember being brought in as an adult. I was, I was doing, I'd just finished education over here and I went to the States to do Bible college and I was the oldest, I was the mature student. It's kind of a bit awkward, the elephant in the room. Who's that guy? You know, everyone else should be here, but why is he here? And I was brought in as a student at 24 before the leader who was like 26. This is awkward. And he's going to confront me. And my pride's kicking up like, mate, you're not even that much older than me. Don't you be coming too hard. I'm definitely bigger than you. And I can close this door and we can get some business done if you're too harsh. But he's a nice guy and I loved him and he was, he was funny about it and he basically called me out with how I was, I was in America and I was saying some things, some language that doesn't translate well in America but we would say it regularly here. I'm not going to tell you what it is. You can probably guess but it was basically a swear word. Over here we just kind of say it. I had to look the dictionary up and he was right. So we're obviously a bunch of rebels over here and just say all kinds of stuff we don't even realize what it means. But he confronted me, and because he confronted me, I had to change. And it was for my benefit. It helped my ministry over there, helped me to learn better, helped me to make friends. Can I get an amen? It's good to change. But one thing I've realized is that God's kingdom is upside down. It's upside down. You know, I was reading the Beatitudes this morning, doing my soap with my wife. We got up extra early. You should do it too. And you know, Jesus is talking about blessed are those pure in heart for they will see God. The world tells you the opposite. The world would tell you blessed are those who try and make a life for themselves, their own way, build your empire. Take shortcuts, shortcut people. Then you'll become God. Then you'll become great. 
goes on, it goes on to say, blessed are those who mourn for they'll be comforted. I prefer to be comfortable than to be comforted. <laughs> but Jesus is sitting here saying, listen, you're going to mourn sometimes in life. And listen, you can experience incredible comfort that you cannot experience when you're comfortable. It says, blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. So basically the people that don't want to inherit the earth will inherit the earth. <laughs> it's upside down. Those, what is meekness? Meekness is to have power, but not to use it or take advantage of it, to not, to not really seek it. But that's the people that God gives the power to. He rises up, not the prideful, but the humble. It's upside down. When we humble ourselves under God, then he's like, I can now trust you with power. I can trust you with vision. I can trust you. But as soon as you start to make it about yourself, then you lose your power. You lose the strength that God has because you've came out from under his way. The world would tell you, make me king. And God would say, no, make me king. Because we all need to submit ourselves under some, someone or something. It's so healthy. The, the world would say, my feelings dictate my identity. It's the world right now. Just go with feelings. And your identity can change every day if you want. But Jesus actually said, no, deny yourself. You're going to feel all kinds of things. You're going to feel all kinds of emotions. Don't let that dictate your direction. You'll be a mess. You'll never f find the peace that you're after anyhow. You'll not, not have a straight path. It'll be all over the show. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross. Follow me. Why? It works. You will benefit and other people will benefit from you. You will bless other people as you're blessed. The world would say, keep everything to yourself. Jesus would say, give your life away. It's upside down. The world would say, you've got to earn yourself. You've got to earn favor from God. You've got to, got to work your way up the ladder. And Jesus said, no, I'm coming to give you unmerited favor. If you submit to my ways, you get favor, not because you earned it, because you trusted me. The world would say, get revenge. Jesus said, love your enemies. It's upside down, but it works. The world would say, I'll love you if you love me. Jesus says, love your enemies. Have unconditional love. Be above that reproach. Step above that system and walk in my ways. And essentially what, what he's saying is become a thermostat for change. Become a leader for change. Don't let the world's current pull you along in its toxic, messed up, broken ways. Come outside of that. God's ways don't always make sense, but they always make sense. People who represent God on the earth today. One thing I look as I look at Jesus' life is Jesus was always under pressure to compromise because his message was so out there, outside the world system, it exposed the system. And so the religious leaders of the law were exposed, and so therefore they wanted to keep Jesus quiet. He was under pressure even unto death, but he stayed true, and he didn't compromise. And because he didn't compromise, he, he had victory. And because Jesus didn't compromise, we have salvation. But he was always under pressure. 
to give in as he went. The first thing he done after he got baptized, we've got baptisms coming up next Sunday night. Do not miss it if you're saved. If you give your life to Jesus, your next step is baptism. Even if it's 10 years on, get it done. Something about public recognition, something about dying to yourself publicly and rising again. It breaks strongholds, chains, wrong mindsets, the fear of people. You've got to get it done. And you won't be alone. There's already five people signed up. And so Jesus was always under pressure. The first thing that God done when he got baptized, he brought him up out of the water and he says, go into the desert to, to do what? To just do crazy miracles and all this exciting stuff? No, it was actually to be tested. His beliefs were tested. His values were tested. Prayer and fasting is about testing. Why? To get strength, to get strong, because that was preparation for his ministry to do all the good stuff. To see the kingdom come, he had to first get strong. Prayer and fasting is about strengthening you. But it doesn't mean it's going to be easy getting up at 7 a.m. or 6.30 a.m. to get your hair done. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Actually, if it's hard, it's probably a good sign. If I'm going to the gym, like big mob at the Southlex pumping iron, if he's just talking and it's easy, he probably hasn't done much. He's probably have no benefit. I'm starting to see his biceps pop like never before, but it's because he, there must be resistance somewhere. There must be some sort of controversy with his muscle and it's getting stronger. And so during this time of prayer and fasting, as we reset, as we get stronger, what you should have is a challenge. Something should be fighting against your flesh. Your spirit, in order for it to grow, needs to be exercised. And so only because it hurts doesn't mean it's bad. But you're confronting the problem of lukewarmness. You're confronting the problem of just going through the motions with church and with God. You know what will happen? You'll come to life. You'll get strength. You'll find favor. That's why they went in pilgrimages in Psalm 84. They went to get favor. They went to find strength. How did that happen? Through worship God, through changing their mindset, through renewing their mind, through telling, becoming the leader of their own soul again. Not just being led with feelings as sometimes we do. See, the areas I've messed up in my own life, the most are the areas that I've went with my own ideas, the most. And here's the worst part about compromise. When you compromise just the first step, and it's sin, and you know it's sin, and you just kind of ignore it because it hurts to think about and confront it. You know, the, the problem with that is it doesn't hurt the first time usually. Usually you don't crash the first time you look at your phone. Usually, the first time you go outside of God's way with, you know, maybe sex or, or what you're looking at online, usually you get away with it, or at least you think you do, but it's taking you down a path. And it might even feel good, and it's comfortable, of course, but it's not about where you start, it's where you end up. It's leading you down a path of destruction. And the problem is sometimes that path to, to destruction can sometimes be enjoyable. But it's kind of stupid, isn't it? You're leading yourself into a crash. I enjoyed checking out the likes on my phone for a few seconds. It was instant gratification. It was, it was good fun. It, it made my journey better in the short term, but in the long term, it cost a lot. 
And I could have cost a lot more if I hadn't been confronted. And so one thing we see here in Matthew 16 and 25, and this is the advice that we get from Jesus, is for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? It might be good in the short term. It might be good for a while, but eventually you lose it all. Or what, what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? What's more valuable on your deathbed? Here's the question on your deathbed. What do you care about? Your car? Your house? What's in the bank? You don't care about any of that. And so that's a good litmus test for what really matters on this earth. It's the stuff that you care about on your deathbed. It's people. It's purpose. What do I do with my life? Where am I going? Where do I find peace now when everything's gone? That's a good litmus test. It's an upside down kingdom. Remember a friend of mine is so true and I think it's the same as compromise. Anyone, anyone got anyone in their life who's really tight? You know, like if there's a penny on the floor, they'll, they'll race you. <laughs> Just walking around the shops and like they see a penny or whatever and they're like, or they're like, Yeah, we we quick we quick squat in the back pocket and yeah, not my not me their day they value the penny. I remember my friend he's super tight he's a good saver obviously because he likes the pennies, and he had this wee saying I don't know who taught him probably his granddad or someone. He says son, he called me son he was trying to be cool. Son, look after the pennies full, pounds look after themselves. <laughs> And it's true. Didn't make him a generous person, but it's true. It's also true for compromise. You look after the small compromises. The big ones look after themselves. If I look after the small clicks on my phone, I don't have to worry about crashing because of the phone. It no longer has power of me because I've looked after the small. I've been faithful in the small. You look after... what what you're looking at through the screen late at night or, or how long you're looking on your screen for late at night, well, then you can execute the problem of where that path takes you. You, you know, the way of escape, I, I, I'd love to do a sermon on this, but the way of escape, it says in the Bible, God never give you more than you can handle, but the way of escape often isn't in the middle of the party late at night at 2 a.m. like, Lord, help me. That's not the way of escape. The way of escape was at 10 p.m., go to bed, son. Don't reply to the text. Get new friends. The way of escape is before you're in the middle of temptation, before you're in the middle of the problem, before people break out the substances on the table that shouldn't be there are, are not going to lead you to a path of righteousness or God's best for your life. Compromise. Here's a real-life story in the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles 36, of a fall, of a crash. God's people, they were following him for a long time. They were up and down, and they were doing things their own way sometimes, and then it just, it, it just went south. It says here in um, verse 14, Furthermore, all the leaders of the priests and the people became more and more unfaithful. 
following all the detestable practices of the nation and defiling the temple of the Lord, compromise one step at a time, which he had consecrated in Jerusalem. The Lord, the God of their ancestors, sent word to them through the the messengers again and again. God was trying, like, wake up. You're about to crash. He was confronting them. He was sending messages, stern messages, clear messages, again and again. Because he had pity on them, he didn't want them to crash or fall on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked God's messengers. They treated God, church, the Bible, his people as common. Ox just church. Ox sure. I don't need to read the Bible. I don't need to worry about consequences. Ox sure. It's only a, it's only a routine of my, in my week. Despite his words and scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of God was aroused against his people and there was no remedy. And at that point, they crashed. At that point, they end up, ended up in captivity. And consequences came. But God in his grace, after 70 years, a generation had passed, then sent someone to redeem them. But I tell you what, it took a lot of humbling it took them to realize that, whoa, God's bigger than us, smarter than us, and he's a king, and he deserves the respect. And if we do not respect the king, well, then we exit his kingdom. And that's not a good place to be because it's a place of captivity, slavery, a slave to sin. That's what we are. We're a slave to sin if we don't have Christ in our life. We're being driven by the motives of the world, which are all self-centered. They're not thinking about eternity. They're not thinking about um, glorifying God. They're not thinking about any of that. They're thinking about self, the worship of self. You think about uh, even some churches have fallen and compromised when it comes to values and, and identity and sexual identity and all that kind of stuff. They've compromised. Listen, I get it. We don't want to offend anyone. We don't want to hurt anyone. Who does? But God has got a way of doing things that are sacred and we don't get to mess with. When we come out of the womb, we don't get to mess with that. That's a sacred thing. God decides male and female. But the world is starting to compromise all this thing and it's not, look, it's not going to end well. It's going to end in a crash. It's not bringing more functionality to humanity. It's bringing more confusion and hurt. You're, we're hurting those people by confusing them with a message like this. And when the church is compromising on that, it's the end of the church, whatever church that is. And so how do we love people? We love people by presenting the truth in love. Why? Because we don't want them to crash. The police officer loved me. I didn't like him for a second. But he actually he helped me out. He confronted me so I could change. But small compromises lead to big consequences. They do. It always starts small. But it's so important that we stick to God's way, God's word. We don't try to get in our own heads and try and work it all out. We'll just mess it up as humans we do. This is the early church, New Testament. So Second Chronicles was Old Testament. This is the New Testament. And Paul is preaching. He's preparing the church to move forward. He's preparing the church not to crash, but to thrive and see more people um, more lost people come to know Jesus and know his power and know his provision and know his peace. And here, he was gathering and he was about to leave, I think, the next day. And he's, he's got a whole group of them gathered. And he says this, on the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. 
like we are. Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, he kept on talking until midnight. Are you in for it? Are you ready for it? We're going to talk until midnight. Who's hanging? Who's hanging about until midnight today? Well, this is what happened in this story. He's like, I want to get as much information. I want to impart as much knowledge. I want to encourage the spirit in you as much as possible before I leave tomorrow. Let's just hang about. There were many lamps in the upstairs room where we were meeting. Seated at the window was a young man named, who wants to, to say that? Eutychus, is that right? We're going with it. <laughs> who was sinking into a deep sleep. Have a look at the back row there, guys. Anyone sleeping on the edge of their seat? Watch this. When he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. Paul went down, threw himself on the young man and put his arms around him. Don't be alarmed, he said. He's alive. So he was dead, now he's alive. Then he went upstairs again and broke bread and ate as if nothing happened. After talking until daylight, he left. So he they literally, he didn't, because someone was sleeping in the church, he didn't decide, right, we'll cut this short. He says, no, we're, we're pressing on. Too bad. Wake up or you're going to die. Don't change your seats. Don't go to the ledge. So he went upstairs and again and broke bread and ate. Let's go. Let's keep going. And after talking until daylight, he left. The people took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted. After pressing through what seemed like a threshold, how can we stay awake? We're getting bored. See, what had actually really happened is this young man probably had got distracted. He was probably thinking of things outside the church while he was inside the church. Come on, who's thinking about work? The kids. And he had compromised his position. He had lost interest and he'd become sleepy. You see, if you're focused on God, if you're focused on anything, you don't fall asleep no matter what. And I remember a few of my friends, they would have to travel a long distance uh, down south to meet a girl. Late at night, they'd be coming home. But because of what they were going to, who they were going to visit, they were able to stay awake because they were excited, they were engaged, they were, they were willing to make the sacrifice. They were invested. In the same way, we fall asleep in church, we fall asleep on God when we're not invested. When we start to compromise, when we stop praying, when we stop getting into His Word, when we stop showing up to church regularly, we stop getting into groups, when we stop praying and fasting, we stop taking it serious, you know what happens? You compromise your position. Your seat begins to shift. Your attitude begins to change. See, don't abandon your seat of commitment as you, find, you will find a seat of compromise. And when you find a seat of compromise, it's downhill from there until you crash. But I love this. Maybe you're in here, you're like, Phil, I've compromised, I've crashed, I'm right there right now. Maybe you're you're like, I'm, I think I'm on the journey. I'm not that excited any longer. You know what I love about this story? What was Eutychus met with when he crashed? He fell to the end of himself. He was met with the unmerited favor of God. Paul didn't give up. He said, oh, you stuff you. You shouldn't have been sleeping. He didn't get offended. 
insecure about why this guy had fallen asleep during his preach. He revived him. He prayed over him. He brought him back to life, brought him back into the fold. Let's keep going. And that should, should also be our attitude as a church. If you've fallen away, you were out somewhere last night doing something you know you shouldn't have, you compromised over the last few years. You know, our approach is get back in the fold, keep moving forward. Learn from it. Realize you don't want to crash again. Falling from the third floor is not fun. Mess up your life with sin is not fun, but listen, you know what your approach is? Get back in church. Get back into, into prayer. Get back into Christian community. Do not let the shame of sins hold you back any longer. Stay in the light. Be in the light. Receive the light. Because that's what Jesus died for. It wasn't to play this game of who's performing well in church and they get all the awards. No. It's, we're, we're not fighting against flesh and blood. We're not competing with each other. We're competing against sin, the devil, Satan. And the brokenness that that brings to us. And if we take it serious, you will live a life of favor, of blessing, of God's goodness. And you'll, you'll be on your deathbed and you'll look back and you're saying, Whoa, I'm so glad I picked myself back up from the worst times so that I, I could come and use my life for the best of times with purpose, with meaning. And I'm sitting on my deathbed here and I know I've got a future. And my future is secure. What's better than that? What's more powerful than that? What's more hopeful than that? There's nothing. That's the reality. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others, You can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Ariat Church podcast.